Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Liday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing? Good. It's November, which means we're loaded with sports, so lots of things to cover and talk about. Uh, it is also the season in football in which we start talking about uh, all the individual accolades and awards. Um, uh, uh, Troy Franklin, uh, who at this point is pretty clearly the greatest receiver in Oregon football history, uh, made the Blitnikoff uh, list. Um, you know, uh, 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 unfortunately, for some bizarre reason, Bucky Irving did not make the Doak Walker uh, semifinalist list. Yeah, which is pretty ridiculous. If, if anyone's watched him play. I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, bonkers especially given that like blake quorum who like you know who's on it because he's plays for michigan you know yeah, it's that's sort of like a last season recognition thing um and like he's a touchdown vulture uh, uh but like you know bucky irving had a fantastic season in 2022 as well you know it's like if you're rewarding for the last season like what and yeah, i really just sort of feel like that's a you know that's a that's a not watching West Coast games thing. Uh, who knows with those people? Um, uh, but uh, th- there, there is one group of people where we get lots of fearsome debate, and that's the Heisman. Um, yes. Uh, you wrote an article for the site considering uh, what Bo N- Nix's uh, Heisman uh, possibilities are. What do you think? Uh, you got a shot? Uh, he definitely has a shot now. Um, I think um, with what he's been doing lately, and I think his performance against ASU only, you know, uh, helped his cause. Uh, you, you throw for almost 400 yards and six touchdowns in one half. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. And so I think um, some of the things I pointed out in the article were, you know, the things that were going in his favor versus the things against him. Uh, the things that are going in his favor is obviously his completion percentage is just outrageously good. I mean, he, you know, leads the whole NCAA in completion percentage. Um, His dynamic kind of play, he's a dynamic quarterback that can break the pocket, you know, spin away from people, gain yards with his legs, make crazy off-balance, you know, one-legged throws and stuff like that. Um, And then the things that that, uh, hurt him a little bit are the lack of preseason hype because heading into the season for – whatever reason, unbeknownst to me, because he played so brilliantly last year, uh, he wasn't really on, you know, the, the main list of Heisman candidates. And actually, even going into the season, he was considered, you know, by a lot of the media to be the, quote, you know, third best quarterback in the Pac-12. Um, you know, and it's just, I mean, that's that, that, that's all nitpicking to death, because to be perfectly honest, you know, you have, you have Penix, who's, you know, like I said in the article, the best passer, best pure passer. And then you've got Williams, who's maybe the most, you know, dynamic kind of, you know, player. But then you got Knicks, who literally is kind of like a combination of both, to be perfectly frank. And so um, realistically, when you're looking at it, uh, what you got to look at, I think, is um, his ability these last couple games uh, to, you know, uh, put, put up good stats against Oregon State uh, because Penix just did fairly well against Oregon State in a, in a game that a lot of people thought. Uh, no, he didn't. He played a garbage game, man. Like, I, I, I've been reviewing that film. It's obviously super relevant for Oregon's next two games, and, like, he was terrible. Yeah, um, well, I mean, in the in the clutch, he made some clutch plays. So that's what... Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, Washington won, which is all yeah. that matters. Given that the Heisman is just the award for, like, the 
the best player on the best team and yeah. you know winning means Washington you know is their playoff hopes are still alive and if someone's going to win the Heisman on Washington's team it's going to be him I yeah. mean there's a there's an argument that Odunze deserves it more but if you've got a quarterback who's a viable Heisman candidate on a team it doesn't matter who else is on your team it's going to be mm-hmm. the you know the quarterback you know the yeah. running back or or whomever else only gets it if your quarterback's a game manager oh I know yeah you know, that's not I've, I've pointed that out so. Yeah, 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 you definitely did. A quarterback award at this point, you know, whereas you used to actually at least have a shot at it if you had, if you were, you know, a running back or a different position. Well, it's, I mean, throughout the entire history of the Heisman, it's always been just like who the most impressive offensive player on the best team has been. It's just that. It up until you know relatively re- recently, given that the history of college football is now like 120 some odd years now, mm-hmm. like it wasn't until about like oh you know 30 maybe 40 years ago that the quarterback became you know the the like sort of end all be all position in, yeah. in the sport. You know, like it, it was running backs were re- and fullbacks were really consistently winning it throughout most of the history of the Heisman because throughout most of the history of college football, those were the most important dudes on your team because like quarterbacks couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, a really awesome quarterback was a dude who's completing like 52% of his passes, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like numbers that would get a quarterback bench today you know yeah <laughs> but the important thing i think for nicks is 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 to um is to really kind of like uh show against oregon state's defense what he you know what he's capable of because what he's been doing lately is he's he's putting up much better numbers and much more impressive performances against teams that Penix didn't put up that great of numbers against and so as long as he does that against oregon state then you know then you're looking at the Pac-12 championship game. And I think that's where I pointed out that he needs he needs a victory over Washington because, you know, to be 0-3 against the, the other guy you're competing against isn't a good look for head-to-head comparison. Even oh, if sure. his statistics are better, they're going to point that out. They're going to be like, oh, but he never beat him. Oh. So Well, yeah, like there, he definitely, like, it, it's, the, it, like, I guess I'll put it this way. The trophy's not going to Jaden. Jaden Daniels like it's just like uh, no because LSU is not enough in contention for like right yeah yeah they've got three losses that they won't be in the SEC conference championship game which means they won't be playing on the last weekend of the year which and like stats wise Jaden Daniels is you know I mean, there's a decent pretty much, argument pretty much for beating, beating everyone, but it's like, yeah. And I mean, like, itself, like uh, there's a lot of people online who are willing to engage in the argument about, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, let's really throw down in these stats and determine what should count and what shouldn't. And I don't, I am not interested in any of that. I tend to think it's all just a bunch of like motivated reasoning and, yeah. and, uh, you know, using statistics the way that a, well, a drunkard uses a lamppost, yeah. uh, you know like no one's actually like like there has never been like a in the history of any of this someone who is established like this is the objective like i am i'm a neutral uh i'm an objective person and i have established the formula which determines who is actually like the best you know the most impressive let's say quarterback Mm -hmm. you know like uh there are there are some people who've done that work in terms of like who you should draft for the NFL in terms of like, and like, actually I find that work somewhat fascinating, even though I'm, I'm only a college football fan. And like, I I don't really like, I mean, that's the other reason I really don't kind of care about the Heisman. It's like, it's a team sport. Um, But like the NFL, there are some actually really interesting advanced statistics guys who, who, and you have to watch some film in order to do this because it it discriminates on stuff. That's like, you're not going to find the box score, but it's, stuff like you know percentage of com- a, a, a completion on contested catches or you know pass interceptable passes right you mm-hmm. know regardless of whether or not the pass was intercepted you know how many passes did you throw that were interceptable um yeah. mm-hmm. and, and a bunch of other like you know really advanced statistics you know to and, and you know and then going beyond stuff like air yards to determine like how much does the quarterback contribute to your offense with good decision making like 
like discriminating between like, okay, he threw, you know, this throw that was this many yards, but like, or like this many available yards, but there was another throw that was open that was deeper he, that he should have made, in yeah. which case you should ding him for that versus, okay, he made this throw that was a relatively short one, but that was the best possible throw he could have made. And mm-hmm. so therefore you should be applauding him and, and like, but it requires like watching film and like, I find that sort of stuff like really, you know, that stuff is really fascinating. Anyway, my point is that like no one, has ever come up with a formula it's like given all of these inputs and given a comprehensive data accumulation that i all feed into the you know i feed everybody's stats into the same formula and i don't care i blinded myself to who which quarterback i'm talking about like it spits out that this is the dude that you should vote for and so hey everybody here's my website that tells you who the best quarterback is and then surprise it's this dude who plays for central michigan and everybody should vote for them yeah, like exactly. no one ever does that it's just, no. everybody who's arguing is just like you should vote for my quarterback well mm-hmm. what a surprise you yeah. know like yeah. th- that's what you think oh and gonna... the statistic that you think is the most important is the statistic that your quarterback is the best at what a coincidence like... yeah and so that's i mean and that's kind of what i pointed out a little bit in the article you know i was saying like you know among amongst you know these other top quarterbacks that you're looking at you're looking at you know Penix's passing you're looking at Caleb Williams' dynamic kind of play and then you're looking at you know Drake May being just lo- looking like an nfl ready type of quarterback and he totally is i i did that he is and i i said he's probably he's probably the most nfl ready at this point as in yeah. if you just threw him in an nfl lineup right now he'd probably flourish but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, you I, I he's not having like the 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 tops season, and that's why no, he's no, and like knowing I mean. people don't really mention him. Oregon, but that Oregon dude, like, a, yeah, if you if you put him on a like a, a little bit better of a team, he would absolutely mm-hmm. be leading the Heisman. Oh like, yeah, he's a, he is an incredible quarterback, and that's that's why I said him and Jaden Daniels. You know, that's what gives Knicks the advantage over those two. Is that you know what I mean? Is their team isn't really flourishing like Oregon, who I mean. For all bits and pieces, is, is is one of, if not the hottest teams in the country right now. Yeah, and so I it's mean, just like when you're when you're having that kind of success behind the kind of statistics and passing and dynamic play that Knicks has, all that together can definitely spell a Heisman candidate. I mean, honestly, like okay, so you, you, I haven't really done much serious film study on Jaden Daniels, or at least the LSU version of him. I was watching him pretty yeah. extensively when he was at Arizona he's, State. He's a statistics is, machine for sure. I mean, this this that, a, this like, seems like he's a, he's in a he's in a different offense, and he's being asked to do different things, and he's just older. You know, yeah. he's like sort of doing different stuff. Anyway, I haven't really seriously studied him in any way, but I have seriously studied Drake May and uh, uh, Michael Penix and Bo Nix and Caleb Williams and of those four dudes like like if i given that i've done serious film study on all of them and evaluated their stats in a way that's like i'm i'm controlling for garbage time i'm evaluating stuff like available yards um like i'm not exactly doing it for the purposes of trying to compute like who's the who's the best quarterback in a vacuum or who should win the Heisman or who's your best Mm -hmm. like NFL pick like because that's not what I'm doing I'm trying to write articles in order to predict you know football games or to tell you know fans like what to expect out of you know teams yeah um but I have done you know series film study on those four dudes and, and what I would say is that like 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 honestly in terms of like where physical gifts lie um like bo Nix is the fourth place out of those four dudes mm-hmm. like it, which is not to say that he's some scrub who did you know like not at all like he's he's extremely physically gifted but like drake may is like out of this world like michael Penix is as you have said like you know in terms of having a pure pocket passing season is you know also like absolutely incredible and as you know i've written in multiple you know articles about him his his fit within the structure of that offense in terms of like being able to do the the being able to understand the pre-snap reads that the motions in that offense mm-hmm. gives him so that he can get rid of the ball that quickly and that productively um is like a incre- like totally amazing and then Caleb Williams I mean honestly 
I understand that he's on a seven and five team. That's why, like, of course, he's out of the contention. But in terms of like a quarterback who just absolutely terrifies you, oh, yeah. like just straight up terrifies you because there's no such thing as the play is over. No, like, no. he's he's basically Houdini once he gets the yeah. ball in his hands. <laughs> like and, and, and you know, like so like in terms of like tremendous physical gifts both in structure and out of structure, like and like if you put and so like if the question about like who the best quarterback is where it's like try to imagine them in a vacuum or like plunk them down on a team that like 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 imagine imagine a neutral value team you know where the other 10 dudes in the offense are are like it's a it's a competent offensive line it's a Mm -hmm. competent set of receivers and running back it's a competent play caller there there's neither you know any spectacular one of them but none of them are liabilities either just like a, a vanilla team and then plunk that quarterback down in them and then say okay which quarterback gets them the farthest like yeah uh like i I don't know. I'm sort of hard pressed on that one, but I might go with Caleb Williams just because like the play's never dead. Like, um, it's kind of, I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, this is what you said, like almost equates kind of like the Oregon state, you know, as, as far as like just having just kind of like, you know, no, no particular standout star per se. And then just kind of like a game managing quarterback, which is what they have. So interestingly enough, that's kind of like, you know, what, what they're in for. And like, yeah, you throw Caleb Williams into that mix. Um, <laughs> yeah. Suffice to say, that would be a pretty pretty impressive uh, an outing there in Corvallis. The, the, thing, the thing that I'll say, I, I don't I, – I, I've just said some stuff that is like that, – that might sound like Bonix doesn't deserve the Heisman. That's definitely not what I think. I actually think that he does. Um I actually think he does more than any of the four dudes that I've mentioned, but, uh, but for reasons that are like, my reasons for why I think he deserves the Heisman more than anybody else are also the reasons why I think maybe if like, he's least likely to get it, uh, you know, out of, a group of people who may wind up because and, and, and so let me say that reason first which is it always seems like the Heisman goes to somebody who has a Heisman moment you mm-hmm. know where it like gets reduced down to like a couple of jaw dropper Twitter clips where everybody sort of gloms like I, I remember Lamar Jackson like I remember the play where Lamar Jackson won the Heisman yeah I guess like state yeah like and I remember <laughs> yeah. the play where Cam Newton won the Heisman oh like, yeah I remember you yeah yeah, I remember the yeah. play where Jameis Winston won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I remember the play where yeah. Marcus Mariota won the Heisman. Like, yeah. you know, like the you know, and, and like and like I'm not sure that Bo Nix is ever going to have, you know, one play that's just sort of like the spectacular. Yeah. You know, I remember the play where Caleb Williams won the Heisman, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, just because like that's not really his game. On the no. other hand, the 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 reason why i think he deserves it is sort of like a, a criteria unfortunately that it seems like the the, the 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 voters don't use sadly but which i would use if i were a voter which is having watched all this film on all those dudes uh like like bonix is is like having a second offensive coordinator like yeah. Yeah. the and i've been trying to put more film clips in my articles uh, about this where where i've been like because usually what i do is i start the clip about three seconds before the or i when i'm gathering up the film i started about three seconds before the snap and then i cut it down to about a second and a half before the snap to put the clip in my article because i i gotta fit them in 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 a minute that's how the, the the video hoster only lets me put up videos that are a minute long so if i'm putting four four plays in there that means that they each got to be 15 seconds so if it's like a play and then the replay that's like seven and a half seconds so it's like oh man uh you know like every half second is uh is precious you know so so i usually don't include a whole lot of the pre-snap stuff but like i've been increasingly like putting in some of the 
some some extra videos just so that I can show the pre-snap action because like Bonix is changing plays like he's been doing it in the last several games like there's at least like one or two he did it he did there was a Utah one that was really good there's a there's a Wazoo one that's really good there's a couple of them there's a Cal one that's yeah in all of them I, I I should stop naming games and just say all of them in all the games. He yeah. has several plays that are really where like he's changing the play mm-hmm. and like, like it's, it demonstrates like actual true, like command and mastery of the offense. Um, and, and it's like that, like that, that's why he deserves the Heisman. Like yeah. he's not just a tool you know like he's he's actually like he's not just a piece on the chessboard he's a player of chess um and like yeah man like i don't like like to some extent every quarterback is like that but like he's the best Mm -hmm. like he's the best in college football at doing that and that's why he should be given the heisman now i don't think the people who are voting for the heisman are doing that like or you know, they're not. You're not seeing that on Twitter clips, right? Yeah. Or, or I guess if anybody in the universe would be seeing that, it, or would be producing those things on Twitter, would be me. Ah, shit. Maybe I just appointed myself to his committee. Damn it. <laughs> uh, no, no. Oregon is responsible for that, not me. I got, I got a real job. Uh, anyway, uh, you know what I'm talking about, though, Adam. No, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nick's his. His his ability to improvise is the best in the nation for sure. Um, I I have I have I don't think I can remember seeing a quarterback where it was kind of like it's it's not just escapability, it's not just field vision. It's just it's it's like the sum of sum of all parts. Yeah, you know, like you were saying, and so it's and that was kind of like the the, the argument in the article was that that that's why Nick's deserves the Heisman is because he's just, he really is kind of like the sum of all the parts. He, you know, fits that bill of, of kind of like everything you would look for. Like, can he get it done with the deep ball? He can. Can he get it done with his accuracy? He can. Can he get it done with his legs? Can he get it done with his escapability? Can he get it done with his field vision? Can he, you know, and it's like, can he get it done on the sideline with his voice and being a leader? Like, yes, 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 yes. It just checks off all the boxes. Yeah. Um, and like for a lot of times, you know, quarterbacks that you talk about as being improvisers, it's like by just running for the first down, which like that, you know, that's all well and good. But, you know, w- w- what you and I are, are talking about is sort of like with a with a whiteboard, you mm-hmm. know, except he doesn't have a whiteboard out there. He's got to be you know, like barking out the play. Yeah, no, he's got a whiteboard standing on the field. <laughs> You know, he's got to like invent the play in his head, bark it out to the dudes while the play clock is ticking, you know, and it's like in in many ways, I find that even more impressive than what Will Stein is doing, you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's uh, 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 yeah. And uh, I mean, I've been trying to illustrate it in my articles um, <laughs> and and you and you writ, wrote about it in your article. And I think your article is definitely worth reading. Um, all right. Uh, that's enough about that. We'll see how it goes. You know, as, as we both said, you know, it it tends to be an award for, you know, best player on the best team. And so really what we're hoping for is for Oregon to be the best team, which is what we were already hoping for in the first place. Yeah. If, 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 if he, if he gets to Vegas beats Washington and gets to the college football playoff, he's going to New York. But, well, I mean, if like his I competition said, after was, that, I'm not really, I'm not completely sure. I mean, if his West Coast competition was Caleb Williams and Michael Penix, he's already defeated Caleb Williams and sent yeah. him packing. And, so, you know, he's going to get the opportunity to defeat Michael Penix and send him yeah. packing. But so, you got to do, you got to get that done, though. Yeah. Oregon should be able to get that done in all realism. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, talk some hoops. So the other most recent article that you've written for the site was uh, recapping uh, men's basketball's second game of the season. Um, the the first game was against Georgia, which you and I talked about live while they were finishing it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, their second game of the season 
um, was uh, hosting Montana, uh, the Grizz, uh, a, a, a team you know that will I think always be dear to Oregon uh, fans' hearts for a variety of reasons. Uh, they uh, they they were actually in a conference with with Oregon back in the PCC day, you know, back yeah. in the olden days. Um, there's actually some ties to to some of Oregon staff in the early 2000s as well. Um, yeah. But also, uh, of course, you know, maybe most recently and importantly, they. Defeat <laughs> in Washington football field. In sure. yeah, they did go. not defeat Oregon and uh, their house uh, in basketball. However, Oregon won fairly comfortably, uh, sixty-one to seventy-five. Even though uh, Oregon was facing uh, some degree of adversity, would you say? Uh, yeah, just because of the health. Um, unfortunately, this just seems to continue to be an issue with Altman teams. Um, fortunately, I guess. I mean, I don't think it's Dana Altman. Like, I no, don't think no. I, I, just right meant, I just meant it's like with Altman teams. I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming Dana for this. He, yeah. No, I'm just saying with, with, with these teams, unfortunately, we just seem to be cursed with these, with these injury bugs. Um, I guess the good thing I can, you know, I can say is that at least this is happening real early in the season when the competition is fairly light. Mm. Um, you know, moving forward, the competition will pick up, uh, you know, heading to that Emerald Coast Classic, heading, you know, hosting Michigan. Um, it's it's going to pick up uh, for sure. Um, Montana is not a slouch. You know, they're, they're, they're not, you know, from a power five conference or anything like that. But they are they, have you know, have consistently been a competitive school that has shown the ability to knock off power five schools, uh, football, basketball, whatever you want to talk about, you know. Um, so. It was a good one. Um, <clears throat> like I said, con- continuing to be a little concerned about the health of the team in general, particularly Dante. Um, it just, uh, you know, when, when, when Dante's healthy, it, it just shows what a difference maker he can be. He was fin- finally able to show that last year in a season where he pretty much remained fully healthy. Uh, but that's that's just been such a struggle for him. Um, the good thing is, is that, you know, having that, that pair of Twin Towers, uh, Nate Biddle, you know, can step up. And um, definitely make a difference down there. Now, of course, you know, we're, we're dealing with Nate Biddle hit, getting hit with the injury bug. We're, you know, literally down to like eight scholarship players at this point. Um, it, it, it can be a good thing, though. It could be a, a, a you know, a, a bonding experience for that team to be like, hey, this is, you know, we're missing all these guys and whatnot. And then, you know, when you start plugging those guys in, that just creates the kind of depth where it's like, Okay, maybe I'm not starting anymore, but I played so much early in the season because of the injuries that I'm like ready to rip any time. And so, um, ho- hopefully, that's what we're looking at because I really think that one thing that kept Oregon out of the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, minus uh, not quite finishing as as blazing hot as they traditionally have under Altman, was uh, too many too many kind of head scratching early season. There were just, mm. you know, too many of those where it was like, why would you lose that game? Or why, if you lost that game, why would you get beat so handily and everything? And so that's that's one thing I really think they need to avoid um, early in the season is, is, is a big handful of like head scratching, frustrating early season losses. Because, uh, you know, as you get down to the, you know, crunch time, it gets it gets more and more competitive. It gets more and more difficult. And to already have this this big bag full of you know wins just to you know boost your numbers earlier in the season is always an important thing. Yeah, or at least not losses. You know, yeah. like I mean, as you say, you know, the Grizz ain't too bad. You know that they're uh, that you know they're usually in the in the one hundreds or so in Ken Palm. I think they were like one sixteen or so uh, uh, last year, which was actually ahead of like two or three Pac twelve schools. So. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah um and uh uh you know and uh, you know also uh oregon was uh you know that you know as you say like uh, you know they were shorthanded you know we'll have to see what the timeline for getting she- shellstead and, and mookie cook back are uh, you know uh you know there's uh uh you know, and, and and Dante and Zarzuela, I don't know. I sort of feel like those guys are like precautionary, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
you, you know, simply because, as you say, they've been playing, you know, a class of competition that Oregon can, you know, not not just in this game, but in the next couple of games, which we'll talk about in a future podcast. But like, you know, where, they, where Oregon can handle them, you know, while being shorthanded. And I thought, you know, as you said in your article, um, which was a good recap of the game, you know, like Oregon, you know, had a good you know, had a good all around performance where like everybody was scoring. Right. You yeah. know, and like, you know, so, so, you know, it's like everybody's in double digits practically with the exception of Kwame Evans, you know, uh, you know, is a starter, like everybody was in double digits, right? Like Rigsby yeah. had 12, Gusenart had 11, Bartholomew had 11, Biddle had 17. Um, and then off the bench, Oquendo had, uh, had 11, but, you know, but, but then like, you know, they had like 20 bench points because, uh, uh Tracy and Diawara, you know, kicked in nine, uh, between the two of the, those guys as well. So like, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The, the the more and more health you get, the more and more depth of this team you're going to have, and that's that that's that's going to be the fun part. Is when you see this team fully healthy, or at least close to fully healthy, the kind of depth they have and the kind of ability they have to just bring guys into the game who anybody can just kind of like fill up the stat sheet offensively. Sure. Um, you know, they're the, you know scoring percentage. You know, fifty four point seven percent. What I like to see, uh, you, you know, I always wanted to be, you know, over 50%, you know, they, they had, you know, they, they scored 75 points, 32 of them were, uh, were, uh, in the paint, which like, yeah, again, I like that. I like having, you know, you know, in, in anything that's where like more than a third of your, uh, of your points or points in the paint, you know, is good. Cause I, I like having, you know, in, in, in interior presence like I like having a balanced basketball team is what I'm saying I like that everybody is scoring and I like that it's like you know there's a distribution of points in the paint of three-point mm-hmm. shooting I like that you know that uh, actually the free throw shooting wasn't the free throw shooting is game. still for some reason an issue. yeah <laughs> uh you know but like uh, I, I don't know like Cousinard hit most of his baskets you know actually everybody was pretty much fine it was just like one dude who's Oquendo who couldn't hit a bucket hit, hit the free throw you know but otherwise like I was fine actually yeah. uh this is just with the exception of Oquendo it was just like the great, shooting percentage great, and the, the the three point shooting at least so far in the in the small handful of games we have so far this season definitely looks a lot better yeah yeah, you know, like hitting more than a third of your, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I think I actually used the term last season, can't hit the broad side of a barn at some yeah. point. Yeah, right. Like, there was some actual truth to that. Uh. Yeah, I mean, like everything, you know, from this box, you know, and, and then also like defensively too, like – you know that you know kept you know the Grizz you know every like every one of the Grizz players with the exception of I think like one dude yeah like one one of their dudes off the bench like every one of their players is in negative in the plus minus which mm-hmm. like yeah you yeah. know that's yeah I like to see that Always um, good to see. uh uh yeah you know and uh uh um the 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 you know basically like uh uh, uh you know kept them from getting any sort of fast break points um you, you know uh i don't think the grizz got a single dunk in this game right no i can't i couldn't remember any not, right? that, not, not that i ever remember seeing they had to pretty much work for everything they got yeah like they they you know they never had an, an easy path to the basket in fact that like i I don't even think they made like half of their layups. Like they would go in for a couple of, uh, you know, a bunch of like, you know, like, like even their layups were contested shots, you know, yeah. and they didn't make them, you know, like I really like the. Well, it you starts know, to play mental games sometimes when you have, yeah. a lot of, you know, size and everything's contested. It starts making the, the players kind of like question themselves. And even when they have an open layup, part of their brain is like, is someone coming? Is it going to get blocked? And there you go. Yeah. So, so anyway, like I, you know, I, I know there's not like a ton to take away, you know, against, you know, a Montana team that's overmatched while Oregon's playing at home. You know, it's not like they were playing, you know, Duke, you know, in Carolina or anything, but, uh, you know, it sort of establishes the baseline for like, okay, what is a somewhat shorthanded team, you know, doing? And the answer is playing pretty nominal basketball. Um, 
and you know so if we can establish that as like a a, a baseline for, for for playing with like one hand tied behind your back you know that that sort of sets us up for like well let's see how they play with two hands tied behind their back which is you know sure. we'll talk about famu uh, uh on the next podcast i think uh, all right, uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, uh, football's trip down to the desert. Uh, so uh, uh, football has returned uh, from the trip from Tempe. Um, you know, as we are already talked about a little bit, you know, during our, our Bo Nix for Heisman discussion, you know, he had certainly had a Heisman caliber performance in the first half and a little bit uh, in the second half, um, before he, he, he took a break for the rest of the day. Um, uh, but it wasn't just him, you know, like, you know, when I was writing up the, the, the team, I was sort of like, you know, this sort of became a laugher. And so I was looking for like individual performances to highlight, uh, any, you know, since we just spent like 30 minutes talking about how cool Bo Nix is any player (laughs) not named Bo Nix that in particular you wanted to talk about Adam? Well, um, I mean, obviously you're going to have to take your hat off to Troy Franklin, um, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to to Mr. Herbert. Um, he really has, has looked like he's he's starting to come into his own a little bit as a as a tight end offensively. Yeah. Um, initially being used mostly for like plat, pass blocking and whatnot, not necessarily always getting delivered the ball very much. Um, he's yeah, he's 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 definitely living up to that family name, and it's it's, it's great to see it happen for sure. Uh, Troy Franklin's performance was just, you know, phenomenal as usual. Like you said, he's, you know, head and shoulders, you know, above everybody else in the conference for his receivers go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was good. To, like, as, as always, oh, oh, you just provoked a firestorm in Seattle oh, with that one. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. You know, bring it I on. mean, he doesn't need to push <laughs> off to get his cat. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. exactly. The rest <laughs> aren't always protecting him all the time. Anywho, you know, it could be a future a bomb segment. Um, <laughs> always, always good to see Ty Thompson get a few reps. Uh, I know he did have that kind of interception was a little frustrating, but yeah. uh, he also threw for a touchdown. Um, you know, that, had, that was had, a really nice touchdown throw. Yeah. Yeah. You know, had a pretty good completion. And I, 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 I didn't, I didn't watch the garbage time tape. I'm, I'm going to maybe hand that off. <laughs> I did on purpose a... just for that reason. Cause I wanted to see a little bit of Thompson. I well, just... what I wondered about since you watched it, like I sort of thought when I was watching it live and then I didn't bother to hit the rewind button, it sort of looked like maybe his arm got hit and maybe that. that yeah. It was no, yeah, his, his, his hand was hit at the line of scrimmage. And so that, well, that so why is everybody well. jumping all over him? Oh, like, be, because, because, you know what I mean? This always happens when you have like a, you know, all, all country quarterback, you know, under the, you start over criticizing who you have as the backup and yeah, whatever point is it's, it's, it's great to see Ty get in there and get some more reps. Like I said, the touchdown throw did, did look good on the interception. His hand was obviously hit as he threw. Um, he definitely, he definitely looks more confident throwing that ball now. Well, I just like that, you know, when they're putting him in, they're having him just run like the normal offense. You know, that mm-hmm. was always the, that was the thing in previous seasons when it was like, you know, when 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 I would do the like analyze the garbage time offseason project, uh, you know, it was like, OK, Ty Thompson day, you know, wouldn't even a day. It was like Ty Thompson hour. You know, yeah. it, it would barely take me an hour to get through all the film. It, you know, it was so short and it was so like goofball stuff. Like it was like yeah. trick plays or like quasi trick they, plays. Yeah, they wouldn't you know? really let him do anything other than hand the ball off much. Well, so. yeah. And then w- the, the plays that weren't handing the ball off, it was like, why don't you run a double reverse to a screen yeah. pass? You know, it was just like. <laughs> Hey guys, could you just have him run like the normal offense that I could see how he performs when he's just like being a a quarterback, you know, like, and and not, you know, with this goofy stuff that like, oh, it didn't, you know, it bounced off somebody's hands and you'd have picked it up for a touchdown. Like, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, part of the, part of the reason the scrutiny comes from is, is nervousness about next season because I you know Oregon's going, to conti- Oregon's going to continue to be a loaded team. Lanning's recruiting is, is, is just yeah. crushing it. And so, you know, the question mark is how good are they going to be a quarterback? Is it, is it going to be a, you know, a situation where you have like a, you know, a really good dynamic playmaker 
Is it going to be a little a situation more like the Anthony Brown thing where you just kind of have like an in-game manager, you know, or, you know, anything in between? Like, what are we looking at? And so I think that's maybe why Ty gets, you know, a lot of that scrutiny. I, I wasn't opposed to it. I would, you know, I would kind of scrutinize him every now and then. But then I admitted openly last year that I just hadn't seen enough of him to yeah. really, truly have anything to scrutinize. So I have a feeling that that's part of the you know thing is just looking ahead to next season and being in the Big Ten and competing with him under center, how is that going to look? Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, in my article, I, you know, I tried to, to highlight a bunch of other, you know, play, like, uh, the, the, the offensive line, you know, played fantastically. They, uh, you know, I, I tried to highlight like each of the, the offensive linemen or, you know, they're all, they're all really gelling, you know, really, uh, well. Um, you know, the thing that was interesting is that like, Arizona State going into this game was, I think, the 50th ranked team in F plus uh, defensive ranking. They're actually not a half bad defense at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have a couple of good starting defensive tackles. Their edge rushers are pretty good. Um, they have a competent secondary, or at least it's a secondary that's good enough that they can cover long enough for the pass rush to get home. If the pass rush, my conclusion when I analyzed them was that they if the pass rush isn't getting home then the secondary will break down within three seconds and the quarterback can 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 pick them apart but they're not like a terrible secondary that is like falling apart immediately so that the quarterback can hit him like instantly uh so like you know they're that level of competence in the secondary and then the, the linebackers are really fast they can be fooled and like they're not great like like laterally in coverage but like they will hit you hard in the run game which is something that like a bunch of like linebacker you can't say that of a several linebackers um linebacking quarters in, in the pack 12 so like it actually thought that they had like while they had some some vulnerabilities which i like i felt like i documented fairly well in my preview article and which were again and like exploited, which is something that I pointed out, like the ways in which they they, they sort of I, I I guess one of the things that I've been noting all season long is that Oregon, if there is a spectrum of offensive coordinators where on one end of the spectrum is the like identity base, like we're just going to do our thing. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. We're like we do our thing you know, win, lose, or draw. And on the other end of the spectrum is the, like the adaptation based, you know, where it's like, we're really going to study our opponent and identify vulnerabilities. And we're going to be a chameleon and, you know, we're, we're going to change and adapt based on, you know, how to, how to be counter punching. And like, you know, everybody sort of falls somewhere on that spectrum. Well, Oregon's really far on the can be a chameleon, you know, end of that spectrum. Um, like uh uh and so it wasn't really a surprise but still worth you know noting you know for everybody's you know data uh that like yeah oregon watched film on arizona state and they saw where okay you're strong here here and here Mm -hmm. uh you're vulnerable here here and here uh we shouldn't attack you this way, but if we attack you this way, we can manipulate you and then we can open up this sequentially so that, you know, we can, we can get this play going the first time and then we'll get you to react to that. And we'll have this other play open the second time because you've overreacted to it. And then, and so I try to put clips in my article that sort of documented that where it's like, it's about adaptation and manipulation, which like the staff, it's definitely their bag. Like they're definitely into it. Um, Definitely doesn't hurt that, you know, you're the Arizona state, the opponent's uh, coach is your offensive coordinator the year before. And so it's almost like everything that he's, you know, trying to run. It's like, Oh, I I think we know what we're, what he's going to do, you you know, but I mean, it's, it's not completely that way, but it, I I think the way that that affected the game to the extent that it did at all was that there was sort of a whiteboard duel in in this game in which like Kenny Dillingham, I feel like he kind of like he's been doing this for a couple of weeks now as his team has been, oh my God, just like devastated by injuries, especially on offense. And so he's had to do like really creative stuff like to, to mitigate that or just like to get his like your super injured offensive line out of the way um 
and uh, uh, and his super injured quarterback situation. And like it's actually runs deeper than that. And it affects a bunch of different positions, which like I'm not going to recapitulate all of it, but it's every position. Um, and uh, and so he's had to do like a ton of like creative work. And so I sort of feel like showing off isn't exactly the right word, but he sort of like throws the gauntlet down in terms of like, I'm going to do like, you know, and it's sort of, and it's a lost season for him. Like the, the, the school imposed a bull ban, you know, before the season began, you yeah. know, and he's in year zero, you know, like everybody understands it's fine for him to like win three games this year, you know? So he's like playing with house money and, uh, and so he sort of like throws down the gauntlet in terms of like in in a way sort of maybe perversely a little bit. It's like it must be kind of exciting to be like a young kind of mad genius because it's like all the stuff that he's ever like cooked up that, you know, that, that if he were working for like, I don't know, Jimbo Fisher or some old fuddy duddy like. <laughs> You know, that dude would be like, no, Kenny, you can't run, you know, the swing yeah. gate 18 times, you know, like, well, now he gets to do that and nobody criticizes him because nope. like he's in charge. Well, not only is he in charge, but like who's going to criticize a, a team that has like two wins on the season? You know, yeah, exactly. like he's got to do, you know, whatever. He's got to do something. And hell, it won. You know, it worked against Chip Kelly. So like, hey, give him the, you know, give him the prize. So anyway, <laughs> like I sort of feel like he threw down the gauntlet for for some, you know, hey, hey, Dan Lanning and Will Stein, you know, show me what you got. I, You know, this is the crazy stuff I got. And I kind of think that to, you know, Will Stein, not like, not like to a, a ridiculous degree or anything, but like he picked up the gauntlet a little bit. You know, yeah. or Oregon did some fun stuff. I, I put, you know, one of the tackle over for he actually he, there's actually two of them. I just didn't include the other one. Um, uh, uh, one of the tackle over formations, you know, in which they br they busted out a new play out of it. There, it's a, uh, it's you know that they're aligned with the tackle over to the to the boundary, and then they run a fake belly G run to the boundary, and then they but they're aligned with uh, Gary Bryant as the they're actually in twenty two personnel technically because Gary Bryant is in the backfield as a quote unquote running back, um, and then they slip him out the back door to the field and throw him a smoke screen and uh so of course on my tally sheet all, all the tackle over plays are coded for mexican cuisine because tackle over taco right yeah. uh <laughs> so but then they all have to come up i have to come up with new names for each of them because they can't just call them all taco they have to be different kinds of tacos right sure. uh so luckily, this one, luckily there's a wide variety of tacos this one, this one, yeah, there, there certainly are. This one had a, you know, a belly G run and a smoke screen. So I'm like, well, what's smoke pork belly? That's, you know, taco al pastor. Um, so, so that's the, the al pastor play. So, you know, I threw, threw that one in my article. Uh, uh, so yeah, there's, you know, there's some, there's a little bit of creativity. They had a, a, a poncho, you know, as a sixth, you know, in, in a jumbo uh, formation where he was the, 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 the the tight end actually the second tight end um where he goes and you know wham blocks a, a defensive end who actually tries to dodge him because he's like uh i don't want this dude hitting me because <laughs> he's huge uh you know so there's some yeah there's some of that that was fun um let's see other uh, individual um uh one play uh like each of the like all the past defenders had sexy breakups like Kyrie jackson had a bunch of them um uh, Florence uh, uh, worked one of their big receivers to the sideline so bad that he worked him out of bounds and the the, the ref threw his hat. Um, uh, Jeff Bossa had a really awesome uh, pass breakup against Conyers, their big tight end. Um, just like totally, totally awesome pass breakup, which is like essential to the Mint defense, right? Like sort of the, the philosophy of the Mint defense is that linebackers aren't for stopping the run anymore. They're for stopping those short passes on third down because like yeah. that's because in modern college football, the way that teams are converting third downs isn't running the ball anymore. It's throwing short passes. So you need your linebackers to be, you know, short pass defenders now, um, like immediate, quick, short pass defenders. And it, like, there was Jeff Bossa doing it. It was great. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, uh, yeah, so like I, I put those clips in my article. Um, Devin Jackson uh, has caught my eye the last couple of weeks with uh, just like really, really fast foot speed. Um, mm. the, the the clip that I put in my article was one where like it's uh, I think it's an end around, uh, if I recall correctly, where like he's actually not essential to making the play. Oregon defends it correctly. They string it out and like Steve Stevens cuts it off and and uh, Taishim Johnson, you know, uh, gets off the block to, to to shut it down but the guy who actually um is the first one to wrap the dude up and start to bring him down is uh is devin jackson who's the linebacker like the inside linebacker who runs through the and remember it's an end around it's going all the way out to the field so he runs into the formation and then chases him from behind all that way and then catches up to him and starts in to make, he's the first guy to wrap him up. I was just like, damn, Devin, you're fast. Like, yep. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he's some wheels on that boy. He's a, he's a red shirt freshman and uh, you know, Oregon's Oregon's, you know, probably going to, you know, lose a couple pieces, you know, from the linebacker group next year. So like, yeah, I think that he's probably going to be in line for a lot more playing time next yeah. year. And I think people, you know, Hey, sneak peek at, at what next year, you know, probably, Probably, uh, uh, you know, probably going to look like, you know, yeah. with Devin Jackson and like, yeah, that dude's real fast. Doesn't, um, doesn't hurt that end to end speed, you know, with, you know, uh, having guys like, like Noah Sewell out there, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, um, obviously you had a, uh, well, all, the, all of a sudden his name is escaping me, but I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> well, I, you know, the other like lateral sort of speed stuff that, that also shows in my article is like, uh, you know, cause, cause Arizona state kept trying to get outside, you know, like run outside or, or, or screen passes or otherwise like get outside their formation because like their offensive line can't block. And so Oregon's like def- defensive front had to keep running, you know, laterally to the play. And like mm-hmm. Oregon's got some pretty big defensive linemen, you know, like Birch is a real big dude. Dorless is a real big dude. Right. You know, yeah. but they, they were actually moving pretty swiftly. Um, at least when they weren't getting obviously held and the refs weren't throwing those flags <laughs> uh uh i mean one of the clips i put in my article is just hysterical you know he's like he like the dude's putting him in the offensive lineman's putting him in like a half nelson from behind i mean it's just like and he's waving his arms around like he did in the wazoo game be like refs what are you doing like throw this flag please you're not allowed to put me in a, like this is literally hook and restrict like this is in the mechanics manual like are you joking why where's my flag like anyway yeah uh (laughs) so 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 yeah but like lots lots of lots of good lateral you know speed in this game from the from the defensive front troy Troy die was who i was thinking of ah yes very good (laughs) of course of course i couldn't think of you know one of our one of our better linebackers off the top of my head why would i be able to do that that's just nonsense uh, yeah, so you know, I uh, uh, lots of good, you know, individual um, uh, performances, and of course, like a ton of of, uh, of garbage time, you know, for for a lot of the developmental players, um, which you know, like I said, I didn't look at, all, but I'll you know, I'll hand that to Tristan as a as an off season <laughs> project, you know, yeah, why not? train it, training up the intern, uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's been my like dirty little secret for for how I've been able to get so much film processes. I've been handing off a bunch of film from you know, like, hey Tristan, watch all the Stanford film for me. It's so <laughs> terrible, like I yeah. can't stand it. But why don't you chart that stuff? And then I, you know, I I don't you know just trust it. You know, he does the preliminary work, and then I I go over it. But it saves me a bunch of time because I don't have to like correct the records. Oh my god, this is a little inside baseball, but it's sort of the point of, of this podcast to sort of talk about our writing process. Like the most time consuming part of charting games is not charting games; it's setting up the sheet in order to chart the game because the play-by-play like the official play-by-play that you would get from like espn or wherever your data source is like is like like 10 to 15 percent of the plays are just like wrong like they're like just like they're they're entered incorrectly or they're out of order or they're like just missing 
like an entire drive will just flat out be missing from the play-by-play um like it's crazy like and it's one of the reasons why like i don't trust box score analyses i don't even really trust advanced stats because advanced stats are just the raw stats but like processed in a in a in a clever way and like no matter how clever your algorithm is for processing it's like well if you're putting garbage in anyway like so yeah the setup uh, of for the you know is super time consuming so like yeah i make i make tristan do it <laughs> and it's like it's really sped me up and then i'm like okay so as long as you've you've done the work of setting that stuff up why don't you you know actually watch the film and tell me what your notes are and see if you highlight some interesting plays and like and then like each week i have him like do a little bit more of the process so it's really been training him up but ultimately it's still like my opinion on it. you know i i don't let anybody else drive the car i just let somebody else fill up the tires and the the gas tank <laughs> and you know what i mean uh so so uh uh yeah so um uh uh uh, yeah, I, I'll probably take all this garbage time film of which Oregon is accumulating quite a bit going into this game. Uh, you know, so through the USC game, about a third of all snaps that Oregon has taken this year were garbage time snaps, you know, offense and defense combined. Yeah. Um, and then like more than half of this game was. Um, you know, because like this game went into garbage time at 35-0. So like yeah, that's that's like that's a lot of garbage time, you know, uh, you know, which means like, all, you know, and like, oh, man, here's that's the other thing that I'll talk about this sort of getting off the specific topic of the Arizona State game. But like the thing that I have noticed from doing projects about teams like um, uh, Ohio State and Georgia and Oklahoma and like and the and other teams over the years uh, that have been either in the playoffs or who were otherwise like, you know, champ, you know, championship California, Florida state, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've watched a bunch of them that were either, you know, playoffs or playoff caliber, I would say teams is that like, they have this like conveyor belt that's set up to, to, you know, where they have lots of very talented recruits who, you know, they, and they're on a team that is putting like all of their opponents into garbage time early so that those dudes like are, are they're getting a bunch of reps so that by their second or third year in the program, when it's their turn up, they're not going in like totally green. They're going in with like 400 snaps of competitive football uh, against like the opponent's starters you know, under their belts. Um, and like, and then the guys behind them, you know, that's why I say conveyor belt, you know, it's like the guys behind them repeat that process. And the reason that those are good teams is that like, they've been doing that year after year after year. Yeah. Right. Consistency factor. Well, and it's a, that it's a system, you know, like it's it's like a factory, you know, it's an assembly line of, you know, so it's not just like, and I mean, that's the thing about Oregon and, and all these other Pac-12 teams. It's like they have a they have a team that can compete for a championship every once in a while when the stars align. Yeah. And then like after they've they, they sort of shot their wad, it's like. Well, we'll need to recuperate for a year or yeah. two. Yeah, you know, and uh, kind of like uh, <clears throat> Washington. Yeah, well, <laughs> but like, but even Oregon, like yeah. you know, which is like the most professional of them, is still uh, you know a team that sort of has its sort of ups and downs because they didn't have the conveyor belt really built, yeah. and mm -hmm. part of that is sort of like well, part of those Mario Cristobal days in which they weren't really garbage time in teams, yeah, and like so so finally to tell you what the connection is to this Arizona State game is like yes that. And and many other games this season, like all the 42 to six games, you know, in which it's mm -hmm. like, OK, at halftime, like oh, the yeah. entire second There's half, multiple, basically multiple games that have yeah. been over at halftime. Right. So. so like basically the entire second half is garbage time. Well, that's all developmental time. Yeah. You know, so so what that means is that in 2024, Oregon's going to have a whole bunch of players who are like 
who are walking on the field and who ain't green, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so they'll, they'll be good enough to put their opponents into garbage time in 2024, which means those freshmen will be accumulating experience. This is why I say it's a conveyor belt, right? So then those guys will be good enough that in 2025, when they're playing, they'll put their opponents into garbage time so that those freshmen will get experience. Right. This is why I'm saying that's why those teams like Georgia and Ohio state are in the playoffs every year is that they have the, the factory built Mm -hmm. and Oregon is still like, it's still it's the the factory's not quite built yet you can still sort of see some of the rebar you know they they haven't quite completed the factory yet you can see what lanning and yes even mario cristobal i know like we're all supposed to like hate him like two minute hate him you know but like he you could see that that dude wanted to build a factory oh yeah he was and he was starting to get it done too yeah well, but like he, he he wanted to be like he didn't want to just have a good team for a good year and then cross your fingers mm-hmm. have a good team next year which like had become he, which had become unfortunately a pattern for Oregon right. in recent times yeah. and, and like I, and I'm I'm certainly not saying that he was successful at building you know a factory um, but I am saying. Uh, like like i think it's undeniable as somebody who like actually like you know constructed the roster database and saw what he was doing and saw the way that he not just recruited but managed the roster that like that dude had a vision for constructing a factory yeah um and and, and like yeah you know closest closest organ has come to that would would probably be that stretch from like 2007 or 8 up through like 2014 15 but that that uh, wasn't based on on the, on the kind of analysis that you're making about the fact that that was more based on just being doing stuff that nobody had ever see, seen before and play, see, playing at a pace that nobody was used to see but i actually i i really i i don't think that that is a good example of, of trying to construct the factory i would say that that's that's more like bespoke that was chip kelly sort of like constructing like bespoke like handcrafted okay let's see what i've got and mm-hmm. because i'm a genius like i'll turn that into you know like if this is a car factory he was like hand building you know some really interesting yeah. sports yeah. cars that's, that, yeah that's what i was saying is that like i said that's and but but i'm saying that's the closest we've come to like yeah consistently competing but that wasn't but, the kind of analysis I guess, that you're making right now yeah yeah I, and, and sort of it's like and, and maybe you know like it, it's sort of like I, I don't know maybe this is not a great metaphor but i've already gone down the car road or the factory road a little bit it's a it's sort of like ford versus ferrari mm-hmm. you know like where you know it's like hey a ferrari is a fantastic sports car um you know ford sells like 10 million vehicles right yeah because it's like you know they 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 have a a whole like you know thing you know they've got all you know they've Uh, got many i i I, I can vouch i I have a mustang (laughs) yeah you know like other people They've got a whole bunch of systems and nobody's doing that by hand. Nobody's like bespoke, you know, customizing the Mustang, right? Like your Mustang is one of like 10 million Mustangs, right? That rolled off the factory (laughs) floor, you know, with union labor. That's a a different story. Now, I don't know. It sort of breaks down because of my understanding is they are not building those by hand or or anything. I don't even know what cars are built by hand. Like I, I, I don't know. This metaphor breaks down, but like it's, like chip kelly's definitely a bespoke dude and like i like i or his football teams are certainly not his personal sense of fashion uh (laughs) but like uh you know i i look at his ucla teams i'm gonna have to be looking at him more in the big 10 uh where it's like you know he's like you know that dude's not that's not a that's like about as far as you can get from the factory you Mm -hmm. know like that dude's like oh well i'll just pluck exactly as many portal dudes as i need 
as I need uh, and no more. Like there's no redundancies. Uh, I hope it works out and I'll sort of custom tailor something that'll work. Oh, my quarterback's not working out. I'll, I'll go with this other dude, you know, or like Kenny Dillingham, you know, not that I'm knocking him. He, he found himself in that situation due to horrible injury stuff where he was like, I got to make some stuff up on the fly, you know, like, you know, like a swing and gate. Yeah. Let's have the tight end throw some passes, you know, like that, yeah. that ain't the factory, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the factory is like Tom Brady stuff. You know, the factory is, is Bill Belichick stuff, you know, yeah. like year in year out, like we're going to win football games on this particular way. And it's like, I don't know if that gets people excited. Maybe people are excited by the bespoke stuff. Like I'm excited by factory building, uh, and like and yeah so anyway part of the factory building is that you blow teams out um and i know that people are into blowouts uh if for no other reason that it reduces their stress level (laughs) (laughs) um but like i dug it because i dug the all the developmental tape uh because because you know that that builds that you know that builds on itself right That, that that creates a virtuous circle yeah all right. Well, we will hope for a blowout uh, next week, uh, or, or you know, next Friday uh, against the Beavs. Um, we'll we'll preview uh, that game a little bit on the next podcast. Uh, uh, but that'll do it for this week. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Adam? Hey, uh, finish up the football season against our two biggest rivals uh, with a chance at a college football playoff shot. It's good stuff, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm uh, well, I'm looking forward to the game against the Beavs, you know, maybe the last one for a while, depending on, on how this works out. You know, I've been doing the film study on their most recent game against Washington in which it definitely rained in uh, in Reister Stadium and it definitely like affected the game. It was cold and miserable and people weren't completing passes. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. The, the potato salad palace was a real fun place to be, you know, because of all the rain. Um, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>